We're going to have a different service today. We're going to have a participatory service today. So in addition to the response reading that we just had, there will be a few more. There will be a second song, and there will be a closing song. So uh, keep your hymnals handy because we will be using them frequently through this service. How do people join the church? Now, I've been preaching on a series entitled The Big Four. And uh, we finally approached the last portion of The Big Four, and that's on worship service. Last time I talked, we looked at an act of laity and how people join the church. 36 to 59 percent, as you can see on the chart behind me, joined by public evangelism, reading material, friends or relatives, or in an Adventist home. That's a larger percentage of the majority of the folks who join the church or become members of a church. 7 to 34% join by the internet, which is the lowest, to Bible studies, which is the highest. And then I talked about oikos evangelism. What is oikos evangelism? Does anybody remember? Oikos evangelism is person evangelism. Everybody gets involved with oikos evangelism. Primarily those people that you know. Oikos, sharing faith through relationships, has such an impact because it is natural. It operates from two premises. First, when we experience Jesus and his joy, we will be compelled to share him. Second, When our loved ones see the change in us, they will ask about it and be much more inclined to want it themselves. Oikos is the most efficient evangelistic approach, low in cost and high in return, often winning entire families and constantly enlarging our source of new gospel contacts. The entire process takes place in an unhurried manner and in an environment of love and acceptance, building on relationships that we already have. Your family and friends already like you and trust you, so the qualifications that a professional evangelist doesn't have. God has given you a mission field among the people that you already know. That is oikos evangelism. And again, I'm I'm quoting some points from this book, The Big Four, so I'll be sharing some points in here as well today. The final big four is God-exalting worship. I think I jumped myself ahead too far. There we go. (laughs) God-exalting worship is the final big four we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to be a general overview of worship. We're not going to go into a lot of details, but uh, we're going to be covering some general overviews. And uh, we're going to be participating in a worship service as a congregation, and not just as me as a speaker and all of this type of thing. So everybody can participate today in our worship service because we will be using our hymnals, which should be in front of you. Experiencing God-exalting worship. How can this be done? What is the right circumstance to experience a God-exalting worship? What should worship consist of? Music? Dancing? Preaching? Teaching? Sharing? Or giving? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We are in God's house as a guest to honor and exalt him, not ourselves. Amen?
So that is a God-exalting worship. We're exalting God and not ourselves. To make ourselves feel better is the wrong approach to worship service. It's to participate together, giving God praise and glory, sharing testimonies and these things. And when we have more people participating as an active congregation, it'll be more of a blessing for everybody. Seven factors that make a difference. Presence of God. We get the presence of God through music, praise, and prayers. The grace of God. Experiencing the grace of God is meaning that you're caring and sharing those in the congregation and you're sharing what God has done for you. People that have experienced a good God-exalting worship service have both of these and the following, all of that you see. Hope proclaimed. Our last pastor preached on hope. It's good to give hope to people because in our end of the time, ages, a lot of people are depressed, out of jobs, the government isn't together, our finances aren't together. So when they come to church, they want to hear hope that there's something beyond what we live today. So hope must be proclaimed. Loved by the community of faith. That's important, to make people feel welcome and comfortable in the church. So when we accept them, they're more apt to have a good experience in worship. Spiritual transformations. This is an opportunity in which we can respond back to God, such as we had with singing today, our pianists and our organists. They're responding back to God by participating in the service. And when we can participate in the service in those respects, Spiritual transformations can take place. But we're responding to God also in tithes and offerings and good stewardship in our daily lives. Challenge for service. This is a little bit one that we're not quite comfortable with in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Reason being is because we're used to a pastor leading the congregation and elders and that's it. But sharing is experienced by everybody. So we have a shared leadership and an active laity participating. And then, of course, in order to have a really blessed, God-exalting worship service, we must experience the excellence that God wants us to experience. And one of the ways to do that is through perfecting participation of most, as much as we can in our worship service. Let us open up to our... Back of our hymnals to number 812 for a responsive reading on Christian relationships. 812. Number 812. You are God's chosen race, His saints. He loves you, and you should be clothed in sincere compassion, in kindness and humility, gentleness, and patience. Over all these clothes, to keep them together and complete them, put on love. And may the peace of Christ reign in your hearts, because it is for this that you were called together as parts of one body, Always be thankful. Christ, 
And never say or do anything except in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that comes from the book of Colossians chapter 3. What is worship? What is worship? Worship is an active response to God, whereby we declare his worth. It is not passive, but participative. Nor is it just a mood or a feeling. It is a response in obedience and commitment to him, a declaration and appreciation of his works and his goodness working in each of our lives. So we come to Sabbath and our worship service, And we can look back past the week and say, I was blessed by God this way. We want to give him praise in our worship service in that respect. Thank you, Lord, for doing this for me this week. I appreciate that. And we can share in that. And that's why we come back and that's why we come together. So we can come together and praise God together of all the good things he's done in our lives. Worship is a word that comes from the Old English text. If I can get my other paper out here, I'll be right with you with that. And it points out that the word actually itself started with, I'm not sure if I pronounced this right, but weosip, something like that. But it's spelled W-E-O-R-T-H-S-C-I-P-E. That's the original Old English word for, the Anglo-Saxon word for, Weosensipe, or something like that, which means worth, W-O-R-T-H, ship, S-H-I-P, worth-ship, which finally derives to the word worship. So worship means to attribute worth to something or someone. Let's go to our hymnals one more time here, number 789, for another responsive reading. Growing in Christ. Number 789. Growing in Christ, sanctification. Since you have been brought back to true life with Christ, you must look for the things that are in the heavens, where Christ is, sitting at God's right hand. But when Christ is revealed, and he is your life, you too will be revealed in all your glory with him. And it is in a way in which you used to live when you were surrounded by people doing the same things. But now you of all people must give all these things up, getting angry, being bad-tempered, spitefulness, abusive language, and dirty talk, and never tell each other lies.
And in that image, there is no room for distinction between Greek and Jew, between the circumcised or the uncircumcised, or between barbarian and Scythian, slave and free man. Amen? This is why we come to God. We want to proclaim and say, I used to do these things, I'm still having problems with these things, but he's still working in us, is he not? As long as we're letting him work in us, he can transform our lives. Those things we have victory over, we can shove it in the devil's face, say, ha, 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 you ain't got me on that one no more, because I'm with Jesus now. Sometimes we slip, yes, but Jesus is always there to forgive and give us a hand and bring us along the way again. He's such a loving and compassionate God, why would we not want to give him worship or worship? Our second song today is number 462. If you uh, stay at your seats and, and uh, just remain seating, uh, 462. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. That's what we want to do is praise God all day long, don't we? 
Just think in the kingdom of heaven. That's what we want to do is praise God all the time. If you think about the book of Revelation in the end there, it talks about how the people come together to give him constant praise and singing and praise and singing, giving him the glory, not for themselves, but for him. And that's what we want to sing about, all those things that he has done for us. I mean, he has saved the human race. Amen? That's something to be praising him about and thanking him for and worshiping him. We also need an environment, an environment of hope, grace, and friendliness. Hope and grace is important because God sheds it upon everybody. Promoting personal hope and encouragement in Jesus is our best proclamation. We also need to practice forgiveness. Jesus forgave us. Why don't we forgive others? Just as Jesus has forgiven us. So practicing forgiveness in our daily routines is a spiritual exercise or kind of worship. Be joyful and rejoice. Let's not be so saddened by what God has done or how terrible we may be in our sinful state of mind. Let's give God praise and glory for the things he has done and be joyful and rejoice in that because we have salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Infuse Jesus in all aspects of the church, not just worship, not just Sabbath school, but in everything prayer meeting and Bible studies and everything else. Infuse Jesus Christ in there. That's the most important aspect we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians can proclaim. Jesus and Him crucified and Him saving the human race. Friendliness. How much important it is to be friendly with people. If we're not friendly with people, they come to the church and say, that church was not very friendly. Well, why wasn't it very friendly? What's our problem? Well, there's two concepts here, but you put them together and you'll see what friendliness can become or is. In the past, being friendly meant to say hello, acting courteously, and handing out bulletins, which we still do today. There's nothing wrong with that. But in our modern day and age, it's beyond that now. That's a good point. It's respectful. But the most important thing today, it has a different meaning altogether. It's acceptance and respect for individuals, for each person, whether they come in blue jeans or whether they come in a suit and tie. When we have that type of an environment, friendliness, hope, grace, it's a lot better of an environment to worship God in. It's more of a relaxing, praising, exalting, God-exalting experience. Responsive reading number 777 next in our back of our hymnals. Seven seven seven. That's a good number to think about. Is it not? Seven represents the perfection of God. So this is what he's saying in 777, Christian unity. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Amen. Ephesians 4. Again, this is talking about the entire group of congregations, people. Everybody has a talent, a gift that God has given us. When we spark that talent, when we use that talent, we can bless others as well as God can bless us. And it's a privilege to be called by God for a certain talent or gift that we may have. But we need to really consider this process of trying to discover our gifts, our our talents that God has given us. Some know, some don't. So I would highly encourage that some way along the line we might be able to partake of a spiritual gifts survey or seminar of some sort in which we can find the gifts that God has given each of us if we are kind of not knowing. Sometimes gifts change and sometimes gifts disappear if we don't use them. So God will always have a gift as long as we are faithful to him. It may be something we never considered or maybe something that God knows that it's best person for the job. And uh, that's what the privilege is. And it being unified to Christ in, in a discipleship type of process. Every time the church is intentional about prayer, building discipleship, and bringing about a worship renewal, it becomes healthy and starts growing. Amen? Improving the excellence of worship. Here's some key, key highlights that we might want to consider implementing into our church services in the future. We have a worship committee and a music committee. I would highly encourage them to get together and think about these things seriously. And there's also a book that might be helpful for that process. Again, it's by Joseph Kidder, the same one who wrote The Big Four. And I'll let you know what it is. I think it's called Majesty Worshiping God Together or something like that. It is, let me see here. Yeah, Majesty Experiencing Authentic Worship. That can be picked up at the ABC, I'm pretty sure of it. If not, you probably can get it uh, online. Somewheres. So here are some of the ways that we can improve the excellence of our worship services. Recruit worship teams who are fully engaged with God. Two, begin a, a talent development process. Three, plan at least one month in advance. Four, have a theme for the service. 
Five, rehearse and practice the service. If you want to have a choir, you don't just put them together and say, we're going to go sing tomorrow. Do we? (laughs) Unless you're really that good. Usually the director will say, we need some practice. And then when we come together to share, that practice is effective. And it is a blessing for everybody, including those in the choir. So rehearse and practice is important. Communicate using audio-visual elements. Seven, invest the time needed to prepare any sermons. It says that the average pastor spends about two to three hours a week in preparing a sermon. It is encouraged to say that they suggest that you would spend about 22 hours a week in preparation of a sermon. That's about three and a half hours a day out of the six days you have. So take some time to make it worth the time to come and worship God. And then eight, freshen the look of the service by applying a bright decor, lighting and sound. So that's where our AV guys come in handy. To make it a blessing for everybody, sound, audiovisual, this type of thing. When we can get these things together, have a brighter decor, uplifting God will be much more a blessed experience. As a quick review from the series that we've been going through, the big four of a thriving church family, as you can see what is the heart of the target. Worship. Worship is the heart of the target, or it's bullseye. The outer ring is what? Servant leadership. We're not just saying leadership. We're talking about servant leadership. Then the third ring out is what? Active laity. How important that is to have a laity that's active. And then the outer rim is authentic spirituality. This is where all of the experience that we have during the week comes together in the worship service. Whether it's having prayer meeting, whether it's praying to God three times a day, whether it's fasting four hours on a certain day of the week, whatever experience it is, the spiritual experience you have during that week, that is the outer example in which we can practice our relationship to God and worshiping Him. So when the time comes in our daily studies, our Bible studies, our Sabbath schools, whatever it may be, taking time out with God every single day, considering Him in your life to be an important asset, we will hit the bullseye of the target and the worship will be a great experience for everybody. Heavenly Father, we thank You again so much that we had an opportunity to give You praise, thanksgiving. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for Your grace. And we would ask that you would continue to be with us as we continue to be spiritually transformed by Jesus' presence. We thank you, Jesus, for being here with us today and the Holy Spirit comforting the hearts of those who are here today and God the Father guiding and directing his people. In Jesus' name, amen.